Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome in, Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Rocky, Tim Leonard with you till 10 o'clock this morning. Thanks for checking in with us on the score 1260. Got a lot of SU hoops to talk about today. Going to be a basketball-heavy show. Syracuse out to an 11-4 start to the season. Getting a big win against Clemson, 61-53. Also got a, a nice win against Notre Dame last weekend as well. We'll get into a little bit of both of those games and, and a lot more, as well as a preview of Duke and Georgia Tech. The Yellow Jackets coming up later on today, starting at 6 o'clock from the Dome. And then the big game against Duke down in Durham on Monday. But first, be sure to check us out everywhere online on Twitter, at Orange Fizz, Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, subscribe, rate us five stars. You'll get all the Fizz Radio episodes and, and podcasts and all that good stuff and more. So, Tim, a lot of good to Big bring week. away from from Syracuse. And again, and Jim Beheim's kind of talked about this. He said it after the game that this is really a tough week for his team. They're playing three games in less than a week. That's never easy, not to mention the fact that you also had the game against Notre Dame, so you're getting a nice little early run for this test that's coming up. Now, when you look at the schedule in general, this is probably one of the softer spots, this three-game yeah. stretch. Sure, you go on the road against Notre Dame, which is never easy to win league games on the road, but you pull out a 10-point win there, so good stuff there. You're 2-0 and in true road games now, which I find fascinating. Yeah. Both of them by the same score, by the way, both right, 72-62 wins. Now, you play against Clemson. Final score shows eight points. It felt was, like a lot more. Yeah. Felt like 15-ish, 13 for sure. So you saw a lot of good things out of this Orange team this past week. And a lot of that's hopefully going to now segue into some of these tougher games that are on the horizon. I mean, on one hand, they had to do this. They had to right. get off to this ACC start because, like you mentioned, the schedule is backloaded. There's a stretch where you've got, like, at NC State, Duke, North Carolina, Louisville, a four-game we, We've stretch. talked about the month of February for yeah, this team. Very it's not going to be easy. And a lot of good games to go to, but a lot of games that are going to be tough to win, even the home mm-hmm. games, and including that Duke game at home later on. Obviously, Duke on the road this Monday is going to be a lofty task, but – Outside of that, the, these first six games, Syracuse should be favored in five of them, with the exception of Duke. That's the only one they shouldn't be favored in. Mm-hmm. So you have the potential to get off to a 5-1 start. You're off to a 2-0 start now. And the way this team played against Clemson, it just felt like that was the formula that we expected this team to use to win once we were looking at the preseason and even the offseason after that Sweet 16 run. This is why this team had those preseason expectations because we knew they could do this. They could bring the right. balanced offense. I mean, you get four of your starters in double figures. The only guy that isn't is O'Shea Brissett, who had nine points. So basically, all five of your starters play main minutes and play a lot of your scoring or contribute to a lot of your scoring. And then you get the defense that we've seen in the past, and it's been a little spotty. It seems like they played one good half of defense and one good half of offense, and they haven't matched up, especially in non-conference. But You can't really say too many negatives about these past two games. Sure, the turnovers were a little high, and the centers are still iffy, and we'll get into the rotation and all that and what Jim Beheim did. But overall, you had balanced offense, and you had great defense, and that's exactly why this team was a preseason top 25 team. So I think the story through these first two games, and you touched on it there, the center play, it was atrocious against 
Notre Dame. It was so bad. The, that they had two guys fall out. Right. Dolzhai and uh, and Chukwu both fouled out, and then Sidibe picked up three. You got three centers picking up a total of 13 fouls there. And they didn't even play—none of them played 20 minutes in right. that game. It's crazy. Yeah. But against Clemson, the centers were phenomenal. I mean, yeah. first of all, you stayed out of foul trouble, so you could throw your guns out there for the entire 40 minutes. And then when you look at the individual performances, Marek Dolajai had his best game of the season, 10 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists— and also had a big block at the end of the game to pretty much seal the ball game. And then you also had Barama Sidibe gave you 16 really good minutes off the bench, three blocks. He did have three fouls in that time, but also four points, four rebounds. You really can't ask for much more out of the center position there. It's not a position that is supposed to be offensively oriented, but you're going to get a combined 14 points to go along with five blocks. I think you take that if you're Jim Beheim and run to the bank with it. But the biggest story... Of this is the fact that we didn't see Pascal Chukwu register a single minute right. on the floor. It's it's weird. I didn't expect it, but the way Barama was, playing, I understand it though. Right? Maybe maybe I don't know if it Jim went into that game and said Pascal Chukwu is not going to play any minutes, but maybe he said let's give Barama the first crack because he played pretty good against Notre Dame and he didn't foul out against Notre Dame, although he did collect three fouls in eleven, twelve minutes, whatever it was, and that was still pretty uh, too much, anyways. But Maybe he saw the way Barama played in that first half because Barama looked great in those first four or five minutes when he came in after O'Shea had the two turnovers early. Right. And maybe we've kind of forgotten about the knee thing with Barama because I know he had the offseason surgery and everything, but talking to the players after the game, they all basically said when asked what was different with Barama and how important is he, they basically said, well, I think the difference is his knee. It's finally starting to get less pain-free. It's at a minimum. It's still painful for him to play, they say, but it's gotten way better. And I think we maybe overlooked that a little bit because Barama was getting a lot of flack for his play. And he had I a get big it. chase down block, yeah, too. I, that was great. in the first half. He really did contribute on both ends, and he does have some post moves. He just hasn't really gone to him that much. And Look, he has been shaky, and all I'm saying is, this was one game. I, I, we'll see if it was an outlier. We'll see if maybe it is true that his knee is getting more healthy. Yeah, I think getting your team to full health over the break w- was a real, or it's really shown so far in the early right. going. You're getting Frank's consistent like bases. Yep, Frank Howard looks like he's taken another step. He had 12 points. Yeah, not one all of his the better way there, games. But still, better. yeah, still not attacking the basket, even though. He did end up shooting five, uh, five two-pointers in this game. It was a lot of long twos. Yeah, it felt like, or or yeah. he catches it off an inbound pass and he takes a corner jumper, but it's it's inside the two-point line or the, inside the three-point line right. rather. So, I don't know. I, I this team still has a little bit to go, but centers certainly uh, showing up a little bit in this game. You're listening to Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Tyler Aki, Tim Leonard, got you till 10 o'clock this morning. Now. No Pascal Chukwu minutes, and to me, this doesn't feel like a long-term type of thing. No. Yeah, I think it was more of a, a thing. It was a tactic by Bayheim to kind of tell him, all right, I'm not afraid to not play you. And you, this is a guy who four games, five games ago was starting, and right. now he gets registers a DNPCD. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if he doesn't play against Georgia Tech. I'd be very surprised. I would too. Because especially given that it's Georgia Tech and you'd expect Syracuse to get a lead, and we'll talk in detail about the Yellow Jackets in that game today. But 
I would be surprised if he doesn't play, and I feel like Jim is going to kind of ride the hot hand of the two. And maybe it just so happens that some games Pascal gets 15 minutes and Barama gets five, and that's just because in the first half Pascal makes a nice play down low or gets a couple blocks and maybe Barama gets in foul trouble or whatever it is. I think he's got two options at center that he maybe just wants to – relegate it to one backup center because Marek as the starting center is clearly working. That's going to I mean, stay. most teams don't have three backup right. centers or three centers on the roster. Now, Marek is kind of a rare case where he can play the five, but yeah. you don't necessarily want him at the five. Right. I think, and it is interesting because Marek kind of held his own yesterday against one of the bigger front courts right. in the ACC. Elijah Thomas and Amir Sims are two dudes that could be almost like tight ends for Clemson football. I mean, they're big guys, especially Elijah Thomas, one of the better rebounders in the conference, one of the better shot blockers in the conference. And Barama was not afraid to sort of bully him down low or, you know, maybe he fouled him in the act of him going or Thomas going up to shoot a couple times, but at least he wasn't backing down. And like we said, Barama looked as good as he's been all year. Marek looked as good as he's been all year. And it felt it feels like Marek kind of struggled to find his role in the early goings of the season because it's hard to or it's easy to forget what happened at the end of last year when he was so good against Wake Forest with a career high twenty points in the ACC tournament and he was so good in the NCAA tournament and all the chatter on Twitter and everything was wow this guy's going to be a really good four year player for Syracuse and he just kind of fell to the side at the start of this year and he's. Went into last night or a couple nights ago averaging three points per game, but he gets his season high 10 points and maybe he's starting to find his role in this thing. But to your point, I don't think this is a long term thing. I yeah. think we'll see Pascal Chico. Quick, quick Marek thing, real quick. Two things that I picked up from him in that game against Clemson. First of all, yes, Marek is 6'10 and what? Maybe 180 pounds, yeah. right? And meanwhile, three pounds. right. <laughs> meanwhile, you got Elijah Thomas on the other side, 6'9", 245. It almost felt like Marek used that 65 or so pounds to his advantage. Yeah. Where I remember, I think it was the first possession of the game, and he takes an offensive foul and just lets himself get rocked. Right. Uh, yeah. It was an offensive <laughs> charge, and it, it was an easy call for the referee, but he just let himself get absolutely tossed. And, yes, that's not going to work a lot, but I think you can do it against— Now, Elijah Thomas, I'm surprised it worked against him because you think he's a savvy guy. He's right. he is a senior, I believe. He is right? a senior, yeah. So he's been around the block. He's one of their better returning players. But when you play against some of these younger big men, which will happen in the mm-hmm. ACC, maybe you can use that to your advantage, your lack of size, and just— take one in the chest in one of those right. first couple possessions and, and just kind of go from there. And then my other thing that I picked up on with Dolajai is it looked like he's got his confidence back. He had the confidence that he had in the ACC and NCAA tournaments where I remember the first three he hit. Frank Howard gives a, a little bounce pass to him, a little no-look bounce pass after drawing a double, and Marek just steps in and shoots. Yeah. I think usually you see him either pump fake and drive there or question himself first and gather. But no, he was a quick trigger, he, yeah, quick once, trigger. He, once he caught it. And I think that's that's the Marek we're going to see for the rest of the season now that he's started four or five games. He also probably sees Pascal Chukwu going out there and not playing well. And Giving him some I'm confidence. Not, I'm not saying he feels entitled to that starting spot, but 
there's no competition coming up breathing down his neck. Absolutely. I think he was smart to kind of stretch Elijah Thomas out. He made two threes in that game, and it seemed like that was his strategy going into that game. Let's spread it out a little bit more. Elijah Hughes said something after the game about Marek that I found kind of interesting. He basically said, oh, he's a player. He's not some glue guy, some hustle guy, which we kind of all associate him Mm -hmm. with the latter, but he's right. Marek could put up 10, 12 points a night. He could put up even 15 on a good night or 20 on a good night like we saw against Wake Forest last year, but he's kind of found out his role, and I do think even just the way he attacked the basket sometimes last or a couple nights ago, it shows that he can score if he's confident and aggressive. All right, when we come back, we'll get to another personnel thing that I think irks both of us. Does yeah, it irk you? a little bit. All yeah. right, it irks both of us. We'll get to that on the other side. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Welcome back, Fizz Radio, Score 1260. Tyler Aki, Tim Leonard here with you until 10 o'clock this morning. The Orange taking on Georgia Tech later on today. Battle of defensive teams. We're looking yeah. at another rock fight tonight. It's going to be a lot like Clemson, I yeah. bet. So that, that's coming up at 6 o'clock. We'll have you covered online at Orange Fizz on Twitter and then also orangefizz.net for all your post-game recap and analysis. And, and we'll also give you uh, a bunch of other content on our Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, and iTunes pages. So be sure to subscribe, follow, like, all that good stuff. You'll get all that from us here at Orange Fizz. Anyway, so... We just finished talking about the centers and how they played a big role against Clemson. Let's talk about the little guys now because point guards are certainly going to be a topic of interest over these next couple of games. Now, I think that one one of the interesting things with this team right now is the state of the point guards because Frank Howard, he, he played one of his better games, if not his best game of the season yeah. yesterday. And Probably his best. Yeah. 12, 12 points, also had five rebounds, four assists, two, only two turnovers. That's not really saying much, but it probably was his best Right, game. yeah. 35 minutes out there on the floor, which I, I'd that's have to lot. check again, but I think that's probably his it's season high. Be. Yeah. Um, four of eight from the field, though, one of three from three. Now, Howard has been, I would say through the first couple of games, he he's certainly underperformed, and I, I just, I'm not ready to say that Jalen Carey has deserve the starting spot quite yet but we keep creeping towards that and then he puts together and that being Frank Howard puts together a right. performance like this while Carey really doesn't get a chance to shine it all on the floor because he only plays five minutes I think the biggest thing with Carey is the reason why I was advocating at least going before this Clemson game I was really pushing for I think Carey was averaging like you know 14 15 minutes a game and I was thinking why not give him like 18 and take away a couple from Frank and the reason why is because it's hard to make an imprint on the game when you're getting 10 to 12 minutes. He played 11 minutes against Notre Dame, and I felt like in the first half of that Notre Dame game, he was great. And he kind of did what Barama did in the first half yeah. against Clemson. Kind of was like an X-factor guy that came in as a role player and sort of changed the pace and everything. Right. And then Jim sort of shied away with him and went with Frank. And I get it, Frank's the senior, and he's more poised and all that, but... When we gave Jalen Carey the minutes, when Syracuse went to Jalen Carey more at MSG, he put together a 26-point He's not afraid of the big moments, right. the big lights. That's the one thing I've gathered from so, him. So, on one hand, yes, he hasn't really said anything in, his, in the recent weeks. Since the MSG performance and that weekend, he hasn't really done anything that's been like, 
yeah, that guy deserves a starting role. He's out playing Frank Howard. They're both just kind of playing all right. And actually, Frank's playing worse than all right, or he was, and we're seeing some signs now. But on the other hand, it's like kind of hard to play more than just all right when you're playing 10 to 15 minutes a game. So that's why I was pushing for more minutes, but clearly Jim did the exact opposite against Clemson. Right, and, and Kerry did not play in the second half, I don't believe. No, uh, He didn't, didn't touch, touch the, the floor. floor. The only reserve that saw the floor in the second half was Barama Sadibe. Right. And, and it felt weird. It felt weird going back to that six-man rotation that Syracuse rolled with a lot last year. But here's my one little hypothesis theory suggestion. Now, we've seen Jim go with a two-point guard lineup yep. at times where he has both Carey and Frank Howard out there on the floor. It's not that often, though. I I almost would like to see that a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. Because I was just thinking uh, that. Now, it, it's, it's weird logistically how you do the rest of this, but, I mean, O'Shea Brissett had a, a, an off night. Yeah, partially. Uh, you need Ty's battle out there on the floor. So it's kind of you can't have six guys out there. Where where who's the odd man out? But in a game like last night, I think O'Shea is the clear odd man out. Probably, yeah. I mean, he led the team in scoring at the end of the first half, but that wasn't really saying much. It was so it was like, it was pretty evenly distributed. Right. I think there was like three or four guys within two points of each other. Yeah, exactly. I think to play him five minutes and not play him in the second half was very bizarre to me. I didn't like that one bit, and especially. I mean, Jim touched on this postgame, the stretch they're in right now. A lot of games jam-packed in in the ACC play. I mean, you've got Georgia Tech today and then Duke on Monday. And let's face it, that Clemson game was kind of in hand in the second half at points that putting Jalen out there, if Jim thinks, oh, that's maybe jeopardizing their performance and makes them slightly less likely to play well, well, I think they would have been fine still to win that game at least. So if that was an opportunity... It was probably there at that time, and I, I honestly think Jalen's been pretty good. He hasn't done anything that I would think would jeopardize their ability to close right. out Clemson or do any of so, that. So here's my thing with that entire th- stretch. Now, in the second half, there are points that are up 12, 13, 14 right. points. Bring him in then. Yeah, and, and you got to remember, what is Jalen Carey's game? Offense. Yeah. Right? So you bring in Jalen Carey. To help extend that lead, get it from the 12, 13, 14 up to the 18, 19, 20. Right. And then that game's completely out of hand, and you're you're coasting the rest of the way. I guess if we were having this conversation with Jim Beheim magically, and he was able to sort of counter-argue what we're saying, he'd probably say, well, I knew Frank, as a poi senior, was going to slow the game down, milk the right. shot clock, and not turn it over as much. And that's but, a th- and he's right in that because yeah. uh, when you watch Jalen Carey play, what is it? It's quick, 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 quick. He's going to go Herky coast jerky. to coast. Yeah. And, I mean, we there is no one. And it almost feels like a foreign concept with this Syracuse offense, but you don't see a lot of guys go the full 94 feet. Jalen Carey will get an outlet pass, get a rebound, he's and he quick. will just take it all the way. And... It's almost like these defenses aren't expecting it whatsoever because they don't think that there is going to be a guy on Syracuse that's just going to run it coast to coast. But they need more of that. They need more of that quick guy. And maybe not when you're protecting a lead, but say they're at Duke and it's kind of a close first half. I think play Jalen Carey in the second half because, A, he's proven that he's not afraid of the big moment and all that MSG, but also – when this offense is going quicker, they react off of instincts. They don't get stagnant, and they look much cleaner and much crisper. 
And I think he does that more than Frank. He pushes it up the court, keeps his head up. He's a, He's been good. It's not like he was playing bad and got demoted. Yeah. It was bizarre. I, I find this to be very similar to the Syracuse running backs, where you've got yeah. the experienced veteran guy in Dante Strickland, who likens to Frank Howard. You kind of know what you're getting. You know what you're getting night in, night out. He's not going to do a lot to wow you, but he's going to do enough for you to get the job done. Right. Meanwhile, you've got the home run hitter, Mo Neal slash Jalen Carey, who... It's a good comparison. You, I like you, th- you start to think, like, all right, I, I think there's a good contingency of the Syracuse fan base that genuinely thinks that Jalen Carey is the better player than Frank Howard. Yeah. Am I wrong in saying no, that? No, I think there's, like, 25 30%. Yeah. And, and especially the way Frank's been playing. Right. We know that he's normally better than this, but, I mean, it's gone on for a long time. That was his 11th game yesterday. Right. So, I, I think that... It's fair to say, sometimes you need the home run hitter out there, and right. you you know what you're getting. It's very vanilla with Frank Howard. I mean, Jalen Carey can mix it up for you. He he's one of the more talented players on the team and on the roster. So to not play him, to play him five minutes total and not play him in the second half, maybe it was in a game where you had a, a comfortable lead for yeah. most of it. And this never felt like a sweat. I think, I mean, I'm just trying to sort of think of other reasons why Jim went more with Frank. Maybe it's because Clemson has a good backcourt and he trusts Frank at the top of the zone a little bit more to get out on a Marquise Reed. And we know three-pointers, especially at Notre Dame, felt like Gibbs was making every single one he put up in that game. And and maybe that was, Jim was thinking, all right, the only way we lose this game is if Reed gets hot from deep or Shelton Mitchell gets hot from deep for Clemson. But – Look, I think he should play at least double digits night in and night out. And I don't really care who the ACC opponent is. Today against Georgia Tech, I want to see him out on the floor for 15 minutes. Yeah, plus I agree. And again, this is a Georgia Tech team. We'll get into the preview in just a little bit. But this is a Georgia Tech team that's going to do defense, defense, defense all night. Yeah. I mean, they just played in an absolute rock fight with Virginia Tech, 52-49, the same night as Clemson. Make VT play in a rock fight. Right, exactly. So... You're listening to Fizz Radio, score 1260, Tyler Aki, Tim Leonard, talking some point guards here with Syracuse basketball. Both Tim and I are a little, a little skeptical on, yeah. on Jalen Carey only getting five minutes. And I think the, the confusing part about all of it, too, is you'd think that the one thing that may keep a guy like Carey out of a lineup, or any freshman for that matter, out of a Syracuse lineup is their inability to play the defense, the 2-3 zone. But mm-hmm. you heard Jim after the game, he complimented both Carey and Buddy Beheim. It's for how they play defense. It's weird, and it makes me think that he's going to play them more against Georgia Tech and other teams. And he's also said some stuff in the past that's been you know, pretty typical comments about freshmen saying it takes time for freshmen, and we need to give yeah. them some more time. We can't jump to conclusions. Well, if it takes time against Clemson when you've got a double-digit lead in the second half and they cannot score in your 2-3 zone, and it's really not in jeopardy, Maybe this is partially hindsight bias, but it never really felt like that game was going to get tight at any right. point yet. I think it got within four in the second half, and that's the and only time weird. you really started yeah. to panic. But it, it was a little sloppy at times. You needed but... an offensive jolt, and, right? And I think Kerry could have given you that, and or at least facilitated some of that. Just at least press the issue again. This is a, a Clemson team that in the second half, I believe they recorded sixteen fouls. Yeah, they were fouling a ton. And all I'm saying is... So at the is, worst, he gets you to the line. Right. All I'm saying is if Jalen's out there, if he needs time, and he can change the ceiling of this team. If he's out there and he has the potential to score and he gets a little more confident on offense, especially with his shot, his three-point shot that he's been working on a lot, 
if he gets more confident from beyond the arc, all of a sudden he could blossom into like a really good fifth scoring option and put up double-digit points. It'd be a great sixth-man, change-of-pace type guy, right. kind of like Mo Neal or whatever. And if it takes time for him to get to that point and if he can change the ceiling of the team, why not give him a crack against a Clemson team that you were in control of that game? I mean, at least play him some minutes in the second right. half. It was very confusing, I think, to both of us. And I'm sure some of that will change against Georgia Tech. It felt like there, there was kind of a wake-up call type of vibe to that whole yeah. Clemson with the Chukwu. And even though it didn't feel like Kerry or Buddy Beheim really needed a wake-up call per se, right. especially, I mean, they didn't have an impact on the game because they weren't in very long. Mm-hmm. It felt like either one of them probably could have done something so, to help the team. Do you think Buddy gets cut from the rotation? Because I feel like we're kind of heading that way. He's going to – I find him to be one of those guys who he'll play every two, three games. Yeah. So the, he, he will get a, a couple – did not plays, but he will right. also. He hasn't. He didn't play against Buffalo and Ohio State, which is arguably the two toughest teams they've played. I guess Oregon was ranked at the time too, so those yeah. are the three ranked teams they've played. Two of them he didn't play against, and he only played us sparingly against Oregon, maybe four or five minutes. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It feels like if you're going to cut one person, it's got to be Buddy at this point. I know Pascal was the guy that was cut last time, but like we said, I think in the future we're still going to see Pascal at least right. to some extent. Well, remember too. What happened with Frank Howard, and this is two years ago now, um, it was his sophomore season, and he had he didn't play, I believe it was against Miami, one of those first couple games in the ACC schedule. Didn't play against Miami, and then it felt like, okay, this is this is the end of Frank Howard. John Gillen yeah. comes in, he takes over the starting That's role. That's right, I remember that. And, and starts to filter in a little more and more. And it felt like Frank Howard registered – Close, maybe close to double digits or like upper, like seven, eight, nine mm-hmm. did not plays. But I believe at the end of the year, I'd have to go back and check the numbers. I think it was only like two or yeah. three. And I think he did start to play better in the second half of ACC play after Jim kind of gave him that like, look, I can bench you. So maybe it helps Pascal and Buddy and Jalen. Yeah. So we'll see. Syracuse and Georgia Tech coming up tonight at six o'clock. We'll break down the Yellow Jackets and also – Look ahead to Duke and the rest of the ACC slate. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. All right, we're back. Fizz Radio, score 1260. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard got you uh, for about 20 or so more minutes here. Now, Tim, we've been talking a lot about the games against Clemson, Notre Dame, and now it's time to move into today's matchup and beyond. It's Syracuse-Georgia Tech coming up at 6 o'clock tonight. We'll have all your coverage for you on orangefizz.net as well as on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes, Orange Fizz, the place to follow for all that good stuff. Now, when you look at this, how Syracuse matches up against Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech just doesn't have anyone that can score the ball. No, it, they're it, not that I good. mean, you lose your two best players from last year in Josh Akogi and Ben Lammers. I mean, Ben Lammers was a double-double machine. Josh Akogi now in the NBA, as a, as a first-round pick. Right. He played himself up in... Um, in the the draft camps and all that stuff, the combine, and now he's in the NBA. So, Syracuse. I mean, this is a, a Georgia Tech team that was bad last year, and now they are and they lost being their two best yeah, and now they're being ridded of all of that talent. Yeah, it felt like Ben Lammers constantly killed Syracuse right. too. So, I mean, he was a, a perfect zone buster down low. He could get every rebound offensively, defensively, yep. cause problems, block shots at the rim. 
I mean, I feel like he was one of the more underrated players in the ACC yeah, over the really last good. couple it years. It was weird, though, because I felt like his junior year, he was better than his senior yeah, year. And I would maybe agree that's with that. purely based on just watching him play against Syracuse more closely than other games. Because, like you said, they were pretty much a non factor last year. And even in the past couple years, they've struggled since Passner's gotten some recruiting violations and all that. Uh, so, quick little side story here. My brother yep. goes to Georgia Tech. That's right. And he. He had a class with Ben Lammers, and he said the He's kid a genius, right? the kid showed up 15 minutes early for every class. Oh my! Gosh. I mean, what a nerd! He's like Luke May <laughs> at that 8 a.m. Yeah, after that, he hit the buzzer beat. Exactly. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, Ben Lammers, overachievers, yeah. man. Just you're really good at basketball. Don't be good at everything. So else. you know how they have the the Jaleel Okafor like clock wakes up and gives you 20 and 10. Ben Lammers just oh, runs yeah. on Lombardi time. He's just 15 minutes early for everything. <laughs> Lombardi time. So I like that. Coughlin time, whatever. <laughs> so anyways, that after our little side story there. Now, Syracuse this year I think matches up pretty well with Georgia Tech. They don't have the same type of size that they had last year with Lammers. You're not going to get those, especially skill-wise, down low. And they're just young, and a lot of these guys haven't right. played against this. And now. we've seen how Syracuse has done against young teams versus more experienced teams. I mean, you look at some of the young teams they faced this year. A lot of teams in the non-con they played, and then you look at a team like Notre Dame. Notre right. Dame is the pinnacle of youth right now in the ACC that's not involved in the whole one-and-done type of scheme right now. Right. I mean, that's. I mean, they entered the season with five freshmen. First of all, five players in a class is – that's a lot. That's a lot, yeah. That's the most freshman Mike Bray's ever had – in a rotation alone. He never had more than two. This year he was expecting to roll with four, and then he had one guy get hurt, so he had three. But to to go out and win pretty handily against Notre Dame, they got the second-half blitz, and it was just kind of all downhill from there for, for the Fighting Irish. So Syracuse, again, they're going to go up against a, a bit of a younger team again in Georgia Tech. Josh Pastner does a solid job out on the recruiting trail, so we'll see exactly what's brought back to the table. But some of the key returners, Abdullah Gay and um, and Jose Alvarado, will right. be a part of this Georgia He's Tech good. team. But Alvarado's they're good. solid players. But at home, Georgia Tech it's coming a off a double-digit win. You'd yeah, think. Georgia Tech coming off a a pretty hard-fought game against Virginia yeah, Tech too. Well I mean, only a three-point loss against a, a team. They held them to 52 points. I don't know the exact number for Virginia Tech's offense, but I'd guess it's near 80, if not above 80. Right. I mean, I think Georgia Tech has a decent defense, so maybe that kind of plays into their hands. Oh, yeah, these a are. I mean, bit. these are two top 25 defenses. Yeah, so. Georgia Tech's going to try and make it a rock fight, as will Syracuse, and we're going to probably get a rock fight. I mean, I, I'd say 52-50, 55-52. I, I, you know, like in that range. I'm not saying that Syracuse wins the game by two or three points, but maybe that's what Georgia Tech ends up with, and Syracuse is in the low 60s or mid 60s, something like that. I think it's going to be a defensive battle, an offensive struggle, all the above. But at the end of the day, Cuse has way more talent, way more experience, So, and they have the home court advantage. So right. you, you're talking about Saturday game, 6 o'clock. This, this feels like a game, ACC play, not the sexiest opponent, but right. I, I'd guess there were, what, about 24,000 for Clemson? That's what, Oh, no, that's, no. I think there was uh, – 17. Oh, was it? Se- Am I yeah. that far off? Yeah. It was actually, I thought I heard it looked 24. like more because the upper bowl was maybe half full, whatever. But I saw 17 was announced at the Dome. So, I mean, that's oh, what wow. it was. That was and way off from what I was told. Usually they're generous. Yeah. But, I would, yeah. I'm guessing 
if the snow holds off, which I think it it, it should. Yeah, I mean you're looking at maybe twenty, especially after. I guess yeah, like twenty to twenty two. Right. The team's I, starting to trend in the right direction. It's way different being a Saturday game. I, right. I'd say twenty and. Really, regardless, it's going to be a big crowd. It's going to be a huge advantage for them. And this is a young team playing against his own they haven't seen and playing on the road and, you know, the dome sightlines, all that, and the rest. So Syracuse, Syracuse should have this one in control in the second half. feels like they kind of dominate Georgia Tech at home, too. Yeah, it does. They have some troubles with them on the road, but at home, usually a pretty safe bet that Syracuse years ago, is coming out. senior with. day. Right, yeah, that was the Andrew White game. Right, he went and he off went off that game. Yeah, yep, I, I do remember that. They I think needed he had, that, like high thirties. Yeah, obviously they ended up getting in, but that was largely because of the ACC tournament that year. So, I agree. They they seem to know what to do against Georgia Tech, and a lot of the Georgia Tech guys that were sort of zone busters in the past, like a Ben Lammers, are gone now. Yeah. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Tyler Aki, Tim Letter. Now let's look ahead to Monday's game, because this is the one that everyone wants to talk about now. Yeah. It's Zion, it's RJ, it's Cam, and it's in Cameron Number indoor. one team in the country. Number one team in the country, which could change. I guess, Because yeah. they they play uh, is it Florida, State. Florida State. Florida, Florida State. State. They've yeah. got Virginia later on. And it's at Florida State, so that is right. a very losable game. And so they who knows could, if, that, if they lose, does that bode well for Syracuse? I don't know. Right. Play and, that game, but. I mean, this is a tough stretch now. For Duke, You've yeah, got Florida State on the road, then a short turnaround, come back home and play against Syracuse, a team that dogs you down, and then I think they have Virginia the next Saturday after that. Right, and that game is. And if there's one game, if there's one team you're probably going to overlook in terms of the players, I don't think Coach K is overlooking Syracuse. Right, but if the if you're the players, you see Florida State, Syracuse, and and Virginia on the horizon. Absolutely, you're right. Syracuse is probably the one that gets a little overlooked. Dare we say trap game? I mean, <laughs> just throwing it, it out there. If this game is at home, I think Syracuse stands a very good shot. Yeah, I mean the way they're playing defense, especially, and the way they played against Clemson defensively. But I don't know. Duke is a whole nother animal, right. and I know. You can make the argument they're very young and they might not know how to play the zone, kind of the same stuff we're saying about Georgia Tech. But this Duke team also plays really good defense, too. That's the right. thing. Like they're holding it's not teams like last to year, sixty where... points. Right. And I I just don't see how they keep up with them offensively and keep up with the pace well, and the crowd gets involved. It just seems like it could get out of hand. Right. The crowd's hand. always the factor, but here's the one saving grace offensively. Syracuse in true road games this year has double-digit three-pointers in all of them. No dome so sight line. It, it seems like they're starting to figure things out shooting on the road. Now, I think this team has too much talent scoring the ball to actually be thought of as a liability. And I think last year, too, I mean, Syracuse hung with Duke in the, in the right. tournament. They got smoked in the regular season. I will say Cameron Indoor, great place to shoot the three. Great, about as good as Notre Dame, which is right up there. Those mm-hmm. are both smaller arenas in ACC play, so maybe that helps them. But then again, that's why it seems like Duke makes a lot of their threes too every year, and they it do works have both good players. Ways, right. But, yeah, it works both ways. They're both shooting in, in a good environment for three-point shooting. But I don't know. I, I would be surprised if it's not a close game at the end of the first half. I just worry that the 2-H blitz comes from Duke and Zion's dropping a 360 dunk and stuff. Right, and, and you let the crowd get into it, and things can start to get out yeah. of hand. But 
I think the game's decided by single digits. It's going to be a great, not litmus test, that's kind of the wrong word, because in all likelihood, Syracuse is going to lose. But it's going to be a great, like, Jalen Carey, wet your feet in, in Cameron and show us what you got. Or, you know, is Frank really back? Like, is he going to put together a good game? If if you're back, like, now's the time to bring it. O'Shea kind of was not great at Cameron last year, so maybe he's looking for some revenge. I think it's it's going to be an interesting game to see what Syracuse shows up and how close it is because they have played Duke tough in the past. Yeah, I mean, I, think about it too. This freshman class is getting at least three cracks at Cameron. Yeah, that's true. That's that's pretty insane and pretty cool for them as well. Right. So cool. hopefully they relish the moment, step up. We'll see. That game coming up on Monday. Tonight, though, it's Syracuse and Georgia Tech. We'll have all your coverage for you on orangefizz.net as well as on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Anyway, coming up next, we'll get to all your comments from the Twitterverse. Fizz feedback on the way. You're listening to Fizz Radio. All right, last licks here on Fizz Radio. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard with you till 10 o'clock this morning. Now, let's get into Fizz feedback. We've talked a lot about previewing today's game against Georgia Tech and also a little bit of the point guards and the centers. Well, if you missed any of that conversation, check us out on iTunes, Orange Fizz. You'll get all the latest when you subscribe. You'll get Fizz Radio episodes and podcasts. We'll be back potting this week, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. After the Duke game, I'm, I'm feeling a pod, so let, let's make that happen this week. Uh, time to get to some of your thoughts from Fizz feedback. I'm just going to read off some of the replies to some tweets we got. We'll start with a tweet we sent out at the end of the game. After Clemson, great win for the Qs, four in a row. Seems like things are starting to come together for the Orange at the exact right time. Is Marek the start? Is Marek starting the X factor? Might be. And I that led to some interesting responses. We'll start with at King Griff two three one two. He says that's the Bayheim way. Six minutes and he goes into stall ball, loses years from my life. <laughs> Gotta love Fizz Nation. Yeah, that's funny. Well. It is kind of the Bayheim way a little bit. Yeah, and, mm. I mean, he hits really... it on the head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next is at SU Vidala. He says, there's a few things. Marek has great court vision and anticipation. Howard is getting healthier. Battle and Hughes are more aggressive on offense. Brissett and Hughes are rebounding, and tonight Sidibe was outstanding. Rebounding is a big thing. They've been much better rebounding the basketball. They still haven't been good. Yeah, I mean. I mean, they got out-rebounded against Clemson right. by one. But it feels like... I don't know why it feels like Tyus and Frank and Elijah. I guess Elijah had the 10 rebounds against Notre Dame, so that's fresh in our mind. But I think Tyus even said something like, yeah, coach has been after me and Elijah to rebound. The guards I mean, Elijah's been in. great rebounding ball. Yeah. He's putting up sevens. He had the double-double against Notre Dame, but he goes seven, eight. And he's got this AAU style of rebounding, what, yes. what I like to call it, is where he knows he can't get the initial rebound, but he can tip it up to himself and catch someone at the wrong Right. height of their bounce right, when to go get the board, it. and and then he ends up with the rebound. He lets it bounce once or twice, too. I mean, that's just your classic AAU rebound I'm right waiting there. for Elijah to throw down a big dunk this year. Because yeah. I mean, we felt the same way, too, last year about Brissett. We were just waiting right. for a big Brissett dunk. And now, yeah, now he does it all the time. But. I feel like Elijah, when I see him jump for some of these rebounds, I'm like, holy crap, that dude's got a vertical. And then even he's really got like the chase down block, or even when he yeah. whiffs on some of those blocks, you're like, whoa, like that dude's an athlete. So right. I'm waiting for it. And and he's been super consistent lately. He's, yeah. I mean, since Cornell, he's never gone sub 14 points. Right. When he got reamed out. 
<laughs> after the game for yeah. playing awful. Funny how that works. Yeah. So clearly has gotten through to Elijah Hughes. Uh, last one on this tweet we've got is from at Justin P. Morelli. He says, honestly, that was a game that should have been won by 15. They let them hang around lack of substitutions in the second half, leaving carrying on the bench, and not playing aggressive enough almost gave the game away. A win is a win, I guess. And I think he hits it on the head there because, yeah, it felt like that game should have been won by 15. And you could have won that game by 15, I think, with a couple adjustments and substitutions. It's obviously all right. No, yeah. all's forgiven the with a win. win, right? But I don't know. Some of these games, you're gonna look down the road, and maybe you give a game away to Louisville, right? Or you want to see them nature. close out a little bit better than that. I, I agree. It was kind of sloppy, and they just got so complacent with milking the clock down towards the end of the game. But overall, good win. All right, that's gonna do it for us here on Fizz Radio for Tim Leonard. I'm Tyler Rocky. Syracuse and Georgia Tech coming up at six o'clock tonight. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll catch you next week.